0: Hey and welcome to PIP Permaculture Podcast number 8, a special edition we've put together to celebrate the International Permaculture Convergence and Conference in India later this month. PIP editor Robin Rosenfeld will be speaking at the Convergence on the topic of women as changemakers in permaculture. So, we put together this special podcast with three of Australia's renowned women permies, Sue Dennett, Kirsten Bradley and Meg Ullman discussing how they balance work, home, child rearing and self-care as they lead the change towards a permaculture revolution. We hope you find it just as inspiring as we do, and enjoy.
1: So welcome to the PIP Magazine Permaculture Podcast. Today we're talking women as agents of change and how to design your life to enable you to be able to make change in the world while balancing work, family, self-care, and living a sustainable life. Today we are talking with Sue Dennett from Hongren Design and Meliadora, Kirsten Bradley from Milkwood Permaculture, and Meg Olman from Artist's as Family. So thanks for chatting with us to, with me today.
2: Thanks, Robin. Thanks for having us.
1: Hi, Robin. Hi. Now, um, firstly, I'll just briefly introduce you for those that don't know you already. Um, Sue Dennett is a champion of local food and is responsible for creating a strong local food network in her community. She also works alongside her partner, David Honggren, the co-founder of Permaculture, in the business Hongren Design, publishing books and writings. And with David has created Meliadora, the longest-running and best-known permaculture demonstration site in the world. Um, <laughs> Uh, We also have Kirsten Bradley from Milkwood Permaculture. Milkwood has been pivotal in bringing permaculture to the mainstream with savvy marketing and social media presence, as well as running high quality permaculture related courses. And through her blog, she's educated thousands around the world on the practical how to's of living a permaculture life. And she established Milkwood Permaculture with her partner, Nick Rita. And you're currently working on a book.
3: I am. Mm.
1: Nearly. <laughs> and Meg is one-fifth of the collective artist's family, along with Patrick Jones, his son Zephyr, Zephyr, their son Woody, and Zero the dog. Together they rode the length of the country on bikes, foraging and living off the land. They've written a book about the journey and are, also, and are now back in Daleswood, where they're building communities through education, community gardening, fermenting and culture workshops and promoting the idea of neo-peasantry, and living a self-reliant life. Have I got that more or less accurate?
2: I reckon.
1: (laughs) A tick? So firstly, Sue, um, so you and David established Meliodora in 85 and together you've turned the property into an example of permaculture at its best. You also raised your son, Oliver, who's now an adult and doing great things in the world, and you've educated and inspired many people about the importance of eating local food and permaculture. So part of your life at Melidora is growing and foraging and producing most of your own food. And that, as we all know, that's a time commitment and as well as running the business and everything else, how have you designed your life or what decisions have you made that have allowed you to do all of those things?
4: Well, firstly, I guess I stopped working outside the property.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: We moved up from Melbourne in '85. I had intended to continue working outside to provide some cash to build with, because we came up without debt and without much spare cash. So I needed to keep working. But I discovered very soon that commuting to Melbourne was really as bad as you know we'd always thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> Every way. And so I kind of went, oh, well, I'll just go and get some work at the end of the street, which is the primary school. I might go and do some cleaning there. So I quit my job um, running in health interpreting service in Melbourne and I applied to get clean up there. And they said no. So I kind of went, oh, they don't want me, so oh, I better look closer to home. So then um, David's business was growing and... Um, he needed help so I inevitably fell into that which means that when you're multitasking you can you know do drips and drabs of all these different things that require timely um, attending to. Mm. So the, the homesteader is is really a multitasker par excellence mm-hmm. which was great but we got so integrated in everything that we ended up, you know, I mean, I've ended up not being able to, A, sit down and concentrate on any one thing for, you know, an hour or an hour and a half. Yeah. It doesn't happen anymore for me. So all those sorts of things, of those things that you had to integrate in that life, I took too far. Yeah. Um, so that was a big bloating thing for me. So for me to be, feel cool, calm and collected in myself, I have to multitask. Yeah. So I think that's an established thing um, that will continue. But that did mean that you could get enormous amounts of things done because you weren't having to commute anywhere. Yeah. You weren't having to look after your work clothes um, and you could look after so many things at home all at once um, in the same environment without wasting all that time. And to be focused outside, which also helps you to be more focused if you have to spend time on, on the computer or whatever, indoors at an office sitting still. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's definitely a good break when you've got to be at the computer to be going out and
2: yeah, doing all the also- other
1: bits and pieces that have to be done around the property.
2: Yeah, also if you've
4: got kids, I think it's really important to show that you have the ability to do lots of things and to be the example to the kids as to how you would like them to be able to grow up. Mm. Because if you send them out for somebody else to to um, school, uh, then I think for me now I'm really convinced that school is not the way to go. I, I feel that that's not serving them well. Um, so you yeah. homeschooled Oliver? Well, non-schooled, we, until he was nine and a half. When he was nine, he decided that he would like to go to the school at the temple at the top of the hill at the end of the street. Yeah. It was 50 metres up the street. <laughs> and he was having difficulties in um, reading um, as he was dyslexic, like his older brother and like his father. Mm. Um, and so he thought that going to school, you'd probably just put in a chip and he'd be able to read. Yeah. And he was illusion that this wasn't the case. But he chose that journey for himself. So that meant that that was a different take. Yeah. I never encouraged him just to spend all his time studying or anything like that. Neither did David. Yeah. He said he's he set his own agenda and followed his own agenda. And if there are problems, it's like, well, oh, you chose to go to school. Now you better Deal. assess whether yeah, you want to continue going. And if you don't, it's not from today to tomorrow. You have to have another plan. What do you want to do instead? Yeah. So get yeah, and then come back. But having kids at home in an environment where there are, there's lots to do, especially in a place with um, lots of woofers, uh, like functionally Oliver was an only child because his brother and sister um, weren't here any longer and so I think he needed that input from other people and he used to love the waters coming but he used to get really disappointed when they only stayed a short time because he found yeah. that very important. Yeah. and in the end he would say to people as soon as they arrived, when are you leaving? And they would think, oh God, <laughs> I'm But on the contrary, it was like, I just have to get ready and know when I, I have yeah. to let you go. Yeah, so that was a very big plus in terms of of, all of the learning stuff. Yeah, especially yeah, especially the difference in people. Yeah, and um,
1: so Kirsten, you've had a bit of a change in lifestyle recently. Oh, in the last year or so, when you've moved to Meliodora. Um, yeah. So was that a conscious decision to, like, before you were, I mean, you still are running courses and, but sort of being more in Sydney-based, not that you were living there, but so moving down here and stepping back Step a bit and up. making time to write a book, how, what decisions did you sort of have to make to make that happen?
3: Well, we living somewhere like Meliadora was always like our, our end goal basically, to live in a beautiful permaculture system where we could spend at least half our time just growing food and um, living and being involved in community and not spend any more than half our time um, running a sort of, well, a business. Um, We didn't expect that would happen for decades um, because we didn't have a strong resource base to make that happen. And um, the opportunity to move here came up year and a half ago and despite the fact that we were living in a cute little rental on the river and we'd, you know, ripped up our lawn and done all the gardens and before that we'd been um, farming out west in Mudgee with Nick's family. But um, despite having a a quite sweet little rental set up and lots of friends and great things to do and courses to be involved with and lots of inspiring education, Um, the opportunity to move to an established, beautiful permaculture system that allowed us to potentially work in the um, conventional sense of the word a lot less and live a lot more, even though living involves a lot of work. (laughs) Um, It's too good to pass up, so we sort of dumped our previous model of moving forwards. uh, Yeah. Yeah, and it's, yeah, we've been here a year and it's really fantastic because it does allow that um, work-life balance, if you like. Yeah. Um, you're outside <coughs> running around doing whatever needs doing on Meliodora for half the day or half your time and then doing the, um, the computer stuff and the teaching stuff and the research stuff and the book writing stuff and all the other things that also need to happen to yeah. have a more livelihood the rest of the time. So it's a really fantastic yeah balance
1: yeah so would you say you've got that balance happening well now
3: no (laughs) um we'd we'd like to get there one day we're still figuring it out we've got an eight-year-old boy um yeah just figuring out the balance between working traveling for teaching being really emotionally invested in this place and also just yeah making time for each other and as a family yeah that's
1: important pretty,
3: pretty interesting trying to get that right Yeah, Um, but so are are there things that you do to kind of
1: allow that time? Like I notice on your emails, it says something like, "You're in the office on Monday to give you time to write books and grow food, or whatever it says." Is it something you really have to make an effort to stop all of that busy work stuff taking over?
3: Yep, and we're getting better at it. I think I think milkwood used to consume us, but we saw that we we thought we were doing it for the right reasons, so we thought you know we'll just give everything to it. Yeah. But um, you know you've also got to go down the go down the creek and poke at things with sticks with your kid and set yeah. aside days and times just to you know play chess together or yeah. card game or whatever. It's you know days on a small farm are pretty full and you can fill them up pretty easily, which is great. And you're all there together and you're all doing all that together as well. But the yeah. sort of sit down and just talk about things that matter time is not something we've been brilliant at making time for in the past. So we're yeah. trying to make sure make that.
1: Yeah, to just be as well. Yeah,
3: which is easier when it's middle of summer and it's so hot and you'll just sit around chatting and reading. But during the <laughs> year when you're all just going as hard as you can to get everything done, it's, yeah, you've got to yeah. write it down. Sorry. And um, Meg, so you're ridden the
1: length of the country on bikes with the family and published books and, and, you know, in your property, um, in your life, you, you know, do things from scratch and you're not just buying things in those as you all are. Um, so that takes a lot of time. How do you as well balance that and make so that you can do all those things and have the time to do them and also have the time to ride because you don't have a car, which mm-hmm does take time you can't just pop up to the shops in five minutes you probably takes an hour or so so what kind of decisions have you made in your life to allow that to happen for you
2: um well when Patrick and I got together just over a decade ago we were both working full time and we both were paying rent individually and we both had cars and credit cards and things like that and I think It was a real conscious choice to prioritise our time as a family and to have time more than money. So I think generally people in society would rather have money, um, but I think that comes with um, a lot of downsides where you don't have time than to to be community members, to grow your own food, to go for a walk around the lake and spend the afternoon fishing and that's what you're going to have for dinner. So I think that's probably the big thing and reducing our reliance on the monetary economy um, by getting rid of a whole lot of stuff, by giving up a whole lot of stuff and just living very slow and simply. So what sort of things have you given up
1: that other people Um, reliant on or um, that you were previously reliant on?
2: Yeah, cars is a big one. Yeah. Um, Aeroplane travel, I think not shopping at supermarkets, Um, we've yeah, just giving up buying stuff, buying new things. We don't buy new things unless they're, you know, bicycles. I'm happy to buy new um, yeah. things like that. And I recently got a really good pair of hiking boots <laughs> and a yeah. tent. Like that, I'm happy to because that will have them for and They'll last. Yeah. Uh, general, everyday consumer, consumer items, um, yeah, we, we just, we've just given up on those or just buy secondhand.
1: Mm. So how much, how much difference has that made in the amount of money that you need? To live, oh,
2: huge. huge, yeah. So we worked out we've we've reduced our reliance on the, the monetary economy by about sixty percent. Wow, yeah. So that's yeah, that's pretty significant. So which has enabled us just to yeah have have a lot more time together as a family, and I think the whole idea of work life balance is a really tricky one I think for everybody no matter what their situation is because there's always you know when you are homesteading and when you are making everything from scratch everything takes time and everything is a lot of work yeah um, but it's it's freeing work it's mindful work it's joyous work it's yeah. it's yeah it's celebration it's a celebration of living it's not being a wage slave kind of work
1: yeah and you're actually connecting with other people around you and having a nice time you're not just staring at a computer or
2: yeah so it's it's relational
1: yeah Yeah. and um so do you i i I mean i find with you know all the different things i want i always have these ideas and i just want to do them all and i want to start this and i want to do that how do you do you have the same sort of thing and how do you kind of choose where to put your energy so that you don't kind of spread yourself anything
2: are you you talking to me
1: oh well to all of you Uh, right. Well,
2: I'll, I'll start if you don't mind. <laughs> um, I think it's what we've got energy for. Um, yeah. Yeah, so w- what we see as important in the world um, and what we want to bring into the world. So we have lots of ideas um, and we're homeschooling our, one of our boys at the moment. Yeah. So that does take up a lot of time and I think when he's a little bit older then I would like to do more, you know, there's festivals that I want to run and more workshops that I'd like to organise, I yeah. think that I'd like to do more of. So I think it's just prioritising what we need to do. What do we feel the creative drive that, that it's, it's really urgent for the world to have at the moment or, or our community?
1: Yeah.
2: So I think it's just what we've got the passion for. And also I think when you, do, when you do work, whether it's community work or paid work, there is sacrifice. So I think it's what you're happy to sacrifice um, yeah. and feel okay about in yourself. Yes. And so, you don't. So, what are you going to give up but be okay with in, your, in the rest of your life?
4: Yeah. It also can be seen as not a sacrifice, insofar as unless you are looking after yourself first and foremost, then your family, and then on top of that, the community, then you're not going to be healthy. Mm. So, if you can I see that as I'm not going to be healthy unless I do all three of those things, mm. yeah. I can't just one or two. I need that third uh, aspect uh, for my own psychological Mm. and um, physical well-being too because Mm. it means that you are rushing about doing stuff and interacting and learning more skills from people. Yeah. And I think that you... That way, you also have to learn to have stronger bonds in your community, on mm-hmm. whom you should rely more instead of less.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
4: in that respect, you're substituting your community stuff for the money aspect of yeah. security. You're getting a community security mm-hmm. instead of a monetary one, which does not guarantee anything in a in a community.
2: Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Yeah.
3: Um. Another thing that we are getting better at is learning to to stack things so they perform yeah. multiple functions, and mm-hmm. that whether that's <laughs> whether that's the fruit crumble that's dessert, and also the next three breakfasts, which is a killer trick I have finally <laughs> just learned. There's that, but there's also like, yeah, I'll come and help in your garden, or I'll help do this thing with you this afternoon. But I'll be able to take photos of this one thing I know is there, mm-hmm. and then I can create a how-to out of that, which gets me out of jail for next week's blog post or if you if part of what you're doing is communicating um this world and these themes and how to do all this amazing stuff to other people um yeah we try to now a lot more when an opportunity is presented big or small go okay what does that relate to that boxes for us is it just a huge time sink that's still really valuable um you know, and trying to make good decisions based upon what will help other things, rather than just be a, a sideways.
2: Thing. Yeah.
3: And it sounds like
1: also, um, you know, having those other people coming and living on your property, which I know um, you're doing, um, is so you're giving them something, but then in return, they're also there are more hands to help do the work. So, what's your experience with that? All of you, have all been in that role.
4: Yeah, that is essential. I mean, we sort of worked out quite a long time ago that to get the maximum input and output from this place, we need about 10 people a year, really. Yeah, right. We support 10 people, but then their input would make for a life that was a bit more relaxed.
3: Mm.
4: Yeah. So um, for using the resources that we have, like cooking, you know, if you cook, you may as well cook for 10 rather than cooking for two is a dead loss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, after you, so
2: you... you get, you get leftovers.
4: <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> a leftover
2: sample, <laughs> in which case it's a great idea. <laughs> uh, you know, you,
4: you get economies of scale all the time. Like if you look at catering, as your numbers go up, you don't just multiply by the number of people. You yeah. drop in the amount that you need, which seems like magic mm. to me. Mm. How is this possible? Yeah. I and mean, just because, you know, Meg and Patrick and everybody else is here eating with us, I don't need any less. So how is it possible that you use smaller quantities mm-hmm. and stuff? But then, you know, you're using the same amount of wood to cook it. Yeah. And, you know, you have all those economies of scale that I think I'd love to see replicated in the world. But, mm-hmm. you know, having Nick and Kirsten and Asher here is just fantastic. You know, this house here is being honoured for a small family even though at times it's a little bit too squished.
0: That's oh, it's okay. Um, you
2: know, <laughs> just to get... We're
4: getting better at <laughs> <laughs> Just to get more, you know, better use out of the resources that yeah. you know, we've got. Mm. I just do not understand how older people want to stay in the family home that they're rattling around in. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not maintained well because they can't afford it. Yeah. It's lonely and it just I don't I don't understand that. I'm gonna get out of my place soon. Yeah. Because it's good for a family and, and it's a workplace as well. So you know, it's it's suited to those uses and when I'm not gonna be using it for that well, I'm gonna be out of there into somewhere where it's just the right size for me. I don't wanna really, be I like a clean house, but holy moly, I don't want to spend my life doing it.
1: No, definitely not. So would you plan to then move into this smaller house?
4: Is okay. that plan? Is the
1: plan? It's the plan to then move into a, the smaller
4: house? And... I'd move up into the little tea house. Oh, yeah. Which means I've got a couple of years of downshifting to do because the house is so full of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even though i up to about round nine of decluttering, Yeah, you know, then I've up with my my parents' furniture and stuff, which, you know, that's... Family heirlooms. Then we ended up with Dave's mum stuff, which, some of
3: which um, <laughs> uh,
4: the things are here, like the family table that David grew up with. That's the oh pop.
3: really? No, oak, no. that's our family table. table. Ah,
4: yeah. Big sort of thick globs of paint all over it, yeah, and um, Dave's mum renovated it all, and it's you know lovely oak table, mm-hmm. even though you hit your legs on these wretched things. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm finding, and we need to find models of transitioning so that these sort of places that are productive and can support lots of people um, can continue to do that, but in a way where, you know, it's not just, oh, I hold the title, therefore you will do. Mm. we have got to find another way of sharing a place where, you know, it works for both parties or three parties mm. if that's what we end up with. Yeah, and also um, having the
1: capabilities to be able to do that. Like I know some councils can be quite restrictive with building extra buildings and having multiple people living on properties. Not that you necessarily have to abide by all those rules.
4: but No, well, the thing is the biggest plus in all that is you ignore all those rules. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty much here pretty much you notice um but you know if you've got good relations with your neighbors mm. the dog the dog in factor then isn't there and that's what councils rely on they they yeah. can't police thing. Mm. so yeah. yeah i i always go well i think when i'm going to do something whether it's legal or not legal is this for the benefit of the whole or is it just me um and is it a downside to other people mm. yeah. and if it's the benefit, for the benefit of the whole, then I do it, yeah. either or not. Yeah. And also you take into account what risk there might
1: be. Yeah.
4: So, Meg, you have quite a, often
1: have, it seems, you have a lot of people at your place. How does that work for you?
2: Um, well, what we've realised is that the model that works for our house is short-term, uh, we call them swaps, um, yeah. with this, that works best for us. Just a couple of weeks, um, they come, they learn, we share, we laugh, we love, <laughs> and yeah. then um, and then they leave and then we have a break. Yeah. Um, I think also we're on a quarter acre, so it's a very small property. Yeah. Um, we have a series of tiny houses um, with, with our kitchens. So we recently just built an outdoor kitchen. So if we do have more longer-term people, they can come and just, I think it's for us also... Um, we're very social, we're very, um, we're very happy to do community work, but ultimately we're introverts and I yeah. think we need a lot of quiet space and a lot of downtime. Yeah. And for a while we had three other full-time uh, swaps living with us yeah, and it was all gorgeous but it was just too much. We were just yeah. not getting a downtime. So I think for us it was, um, yeah, it was just saying this is what we need as a family because yeah. it it just wasn't working. We were so productive, and we had so much going on, and it was, that was fantastic. Um, yeah. But it was at the cost of our family's health.
1: Yeah, and I think especially when you've got kids, and they yeah. need
2: your
1: one-on-one <laughs> attention too at times.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, that was that was working very well yeah. because they were their needs met, and they were being taught by a number of you know very capable and loving adults. Yeah. Um, that, that was fine, but I think it was just the quiet time. We just weren't getting that until yeah. you know nine or ten at night, and then we'd stay up late just so we could be together as a family. And then yeah. the cycle of tired and grumpiness <laughs> and spiraling. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was a really positive lesson for us, just to learn our limits and what what we what we what we like and what we favour as a family.
4: Yeah. And what about um, like yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So
4: that's the great thing, that you can mix and match however mm. you like in this situation because you've got no employer that's mm. telling you can't yeah. about. That's right.
1: Yeah. So how do you so, fund that, Sue? Do you find you need to have some time?
4: Yeah. Like if you
1: separate building so that it's not too intense?
4: Yeah, although we have, again, over committed to integration um, and which means that we have woofer quarters over the barn, but that's only a, a room. There are no services in there, so it's it's eating with us with us all the time. Yeah, and that can, depending on on the the individuals that we yeah. get, that can be very energy sapping, or it can be just fantastic. And from time to time, you have to say, well, the point that we got to. Was that uh, we had a three week minimum and then a week off in between the three week stints. Okay, yeah. But then we had a run of needy people, let's say, quite demanding people, different needs to us. Mm. Now, it's not necessarily that you know, you're good and they're bad, it's not to mm. do with that necessarily, it's just different needs. Yeah. Um, and it, it was kind of like, I'm turning into a bitch, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. No, you can't do that. And you don't want to be that. And I, yeah, I don't want any more opportunities
1: like that. <laughs> so, do you find that like, knowing how to say no is important for all of you? Like, to sort of keep the lifestyle that allows you to do all these things, you need to be able to say no to things and to people?
4: We learned that very early on because people wanted to come here all the time, yeah. which meant, oh, can you just drop in and it'd be like you'd be entertaining all week otherwise. So that's why we started to run guided tours. Yeah. And um, that's like, no, you can't come in between that, which sounds pretty nasty, but we have guided tours so that people can come and see and we can dedicate that time to, you know, interacting with those mm-hmm. people. And we meet marvellous people. Again, don't get me wrong. It's just you need that downtime. time. Yeah.
3: On on that point, because Sue and I live at this beautiful permaculture demonstration place and Meg lives at another amazing example of urban permaculture in action, which is also highly sought after. It's always amazing to me, and we had this at our previous farm as well, that there's this sort of assumption that because you are doing this thing that is Mm outward-facing in terms of you are giving, you are telling, Mm -hmm. you are sharing, you are showing people how to do things, that it must be therefore open at any point in time. All you have to do is put your hand up and say, "Hey, can I come for the afternoon?" And of course, you have to say no because that doesn't really work every yeah. afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of it's sort of adorable that in society people sort of assume that there's these lovely places where everyone can just they can just show up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, have, a cup of tea. have a cup
3: of tea because you know we'll just have a cup of tea. Um,
2: <laughs> just around waiting for them.
3: And and at the same time, obviously, of course, your friend and to. To you know, be honest. Occasionally, I do that to other farms, and I'm having to get better at not going. Hi, I'm Kirsten. You guys are great. Can I just come over for a, you know a cup of tea? And then I always catch myself and realize, oh my god, I'm doing that thing. That's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I've started taking a leaf out of Meg's fantastic book, where she they do these barter arrangements, which is a fantastic solution to this. I want to see your stuff. You want to see my stuff. Yeah. You can. can Meg just talk about no, that for a minute? What is yeah. it? What do we do? Do you swap, like, you know, um, a fermentation oh, okay. lesson for yes. something that somebody wants yeah. to know, and that skill yes. share is short term? It's yes. yes. really good. Yes. Really
2: powerful. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so I think, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that as like a thing, but it is, I guess. It's totally um, a thing. Mm. Yeah, so we, for example, um, had a friend come over yesterday um, and take a whole lot of photos for us, and so we'll go to her property and help her plant trees. Is that what you mean? Things like that? Yeah. yeah, and
3: when people come to learn from you and in yeah. exchange do an hour's weeding. Yeah. But it's just a beautiful non monetary economy, yes. but it's a great trick for, for me <laughs> and for the other people I've been <laughs> telling about to go, you, you might be able to go in there and check it out if you offer to, you know, yep. shuck statues for two hours yes. afterwards. Yes. help us
2: clean out the chip shed.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Being quite upfront that you will have exchange for that time and, yeah, yeah, honouring their time is valuable. A lot
4: more people seem to do that
3: now, though,
2: don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see it it because I also work in the office here for Sue and Dave and I'm amazed at how many people ask to come here and ask to come and interview Sue and David and to speak to them and to have some of their time. Um, you know, which is very precious and don't offer anything in return and just sort of, I'm doing this, can I come? It's like, well.
4: Yeah. <laughs> They're offering a service to the world. Yeah. yeah. But I guess if you come and actually, yeah, you know. But it's up to us then to yeah. say, sure, like when we went to Japan, um, we wanted to go to this particular place. And they said, yes, you will come and woof, you will work these hours, the same as Bill Monson did and um, like everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Why well, well, should I? Because right? then those boundaries are clear. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. And that was great. It,
4: it was great because, in effect, if you're a doing person, the sooner of just drinking hot fifteen, tea and twiddling mm-hmm. your thumb. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah.
3: Just, mm. But, but it's the alternative okay. is the monetary economy, obviously, where you say, oh, can we pay you $200 to show us around your farm for half an hour, which you'll probably yeah. also yeah. get but you know it's it's awesome that there's this alternative to that especially yeah. mm. particularly what Mick's been doing. Mm. And and Annie
4: and really emphasizes this point in her book, um, mm-hmm. The Art of Frugal hedonism that <laughs> uh got sick of, you know, um trying to do everything herself and then kind of realised, oh, maybe if I take the broad beans over when I go and visit Mary to have a chat tomorrow morning yeah. oh, broad beans and and that worked and from then in that was always something people did together. And we used to often just sit down on the porch and chat with people but I I think that we've gotten better at saying let's go out and do our whatever. Mm, yeah. And that will sort out the uh, sheep and the goats mm. very quickly because they either kind of go, yeah, I'd love to, or they kind of, well, kind of go, oh, well, it's time I win. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and you think you <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think most people, if they're wanting to come and see your property and what you're doing, to actually be able to join in and be part of it,
2: yeah, that's right. it's actually yeah. a better
1: experience than just sitting yeah. at a table having yeah, a cup of tea. Definitely. So, and, yeah, so about, like, having some time for yourself as well, like you're talking about time for family. Are there things you do for yourself purely to make, you know, do you make time to do things that are just going to make, that are self-care? Any of you, either of you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and what sort of things do you do?
2: Um, I like to go for walks on my own, just with the dog, you know, and just to have the house to myself to put on a podcast and just to clean or sit on the couch and knit or whatever it is by just having that house space to myself without anything that I have to do, just things that I would like to do and that also benefit, you know, the household at the same time, whether that's just because I get my head clear or whether it's because I'm doing dishes or folding cloth. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Well, my biggest thing is I take goats. Our goat system is very labour-intensive and doesn't work really for anybody but me because (laughs) it takes up so much time. And Dave used to always get really quite... Annoyed that <laughs> some of the woofers too, like we had um, uh, we had an apprentice who got so over the fact that the goats took up so much time and so little production, yeah um, but for me, that's my sanity,
2: mm. yeah,
4: you know, I love just going out and going down the gully or across the the way and doing a bit of cutting or whatever there is, and yeah nobody can tell me what to do and yeah. I can do it this way, or I can do it when I like, yeah, so that is really important and just hang out with the goats yeah Get goats. They, they love it if you're part of the herd, and you will go down with them and generally, if you spend uh between fifteen and half an hour, fifteen minutes half an hour with them off tether, they will happily go on tether after that, but yeah. It's a luxury to be able to do that. And when you don't want to do that, they kind of go, nah, I'm not doing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they get used to it. What about Um, you?
3: I Yeah, I go on big walks or small walks or just walks and find (laughs) the most um, free of humans point from where I am and go that way for half an hour and then have a sit. Usually come up with an amazing song, which I forget by the time I get home. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, and... You know, I've done that in dry environments, just walking up the closest mountain just after I had my baby, just going, oh, my God, and just from the nearest me, going up it as fast as I could. And it was fantastic. And, yeah, or on headlands or here, it's down the gully and along, along the gully system, past the goats, leave the goats alone, keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. And, yeah, just get out into it. But I, I love the seasonality of it doesn't matter if you're walking in the street or whatever getting a real set of place and the, the tiny things that are changing in your environment, mm-hmm. it just makes me feel really wonderful and hopeful for everything and everyone mm-hmm. in a way that nothing else does. So,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, can I also add something to my answer? Yeah. Um, me to uh, work in the office here at Meliodora for two days a week is my time and that yeah. I don't have demands of the family, that I don't have cleaning to do i don't have cooking to do i've just got a job i can tick things off a list and then and then go home to it and i think yeah that's been it's it's two days a week and although i think for our household it would be better if i was home for those two days just to you know build up production in the garden and just get more done at home for my well-being i need to be away from that and be in an adult world so that's been really helpful for me yeah
4: Yeah, I
1: think anything you're doing, it's good to have some other
2: Mm. place Mm. to go
1: and thing to focus on.
4: And also relating to other people. I do, I I have found that over the years too, that I need not to have focus 100% at home, Mm -hmm. which I'm not getting at the moment. Yeah, Um, but you know, I used to go out to do a lot of things also, so there was separation between Mm. um, just between uh, partner and myself because we worked at home all the time. It's like when you live and work with a partner, you, it's double the amount of life you've lived with that partner. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it is. It's yeah. stressful. It's Almost yeah. as bad as Dave making the assessment of, of the use of our kitchen and doing some sums and um, on an average household usage basis that our kitchen has done 250 years worth of work. I'm like, well, I don't look too bad for being 250 years worth of work. So yeah, you do feel that sometimes though. I you know, yeah, really have done body 250 <laughs> years worth of work. Yeah, that's a lot of preserving.
1: And
4: <laughs> <laughs> I do like upside focus. And that's why I love having the girls around, I think, Working with women, I love working with men well, but it's very special to work with women. Yeah. Especially who feel, who feel that they are in themselves and they are themselves a change of something. Mm. Yeah. That we're all living something that we breathe and mm. smell and feel mm. all day, every day. Mm. Yeah. Even though sometimes it gets you down <laughs> when you're a little bit too much. A book or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just really appreciate the women in my life. Mm. <laughs> I, <appreciate
1: it>. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. without. <laughs> yeah, no, it's important. So, for people who are listening and would they want to sort of start maybe living a life a bit more like yours, or they want to make a change in some way and feel like they're doing something in the world but they sort of feel they haven't got time or they're too busy, what advice would you give give to those people?
2: Set your priorities. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah, that's what, you know, I think everybody ultimately has to live the life that they feel happy in. And if you are itching to make a change, I think it's, it's just setting those priorities and just taking one small step at a time towards that goal. Yeah. I know that. Start yeah. small with yeah. anything. Yeah. Start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just yeah. start
4: on something that you think, I can do this. Yeah. Very yeah. small. Every small step leads to the ripple effect and gives you satisfaction and mm. strength and, yeah, the will to, to do more things. Mm. Yeah. Um, Don't be limited.
3: Yeah, small, small habits because I think it's easy to get overwhelmed. You see people living in this, you know, amazing food forest of stuff and like oh well I don't live there I can't get there but it's that tiny little you know if you eat bread start making bread if you eat yogurt start making yogurt start with some sort of food thing Mm -hmm. or whatever it is one pot of herbs and just yeah you can move forwards at an incredibly rapid rate or outwards at an incredibly rapid rate once you have the confidence of oh it worked oh Mm -hmm. and this other thing is related to that thing and now I'm talking to this person who knows about this thing and they can teach me that thing yeah. It's yeah, it's accumulation of skills and experience and also bravery and yeah. privilege and a whole lot of yeah. other things that we probably won't get time to talk about. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's a uh, one step behind the other in front of. Mm. Yeah,
4: another <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thing I was thinking.
3: sorry. Yeah.
4: Think out those who who are doing some things that you like.
0: Mm. Yeah,
4: but don't expect to turn up for a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: yeah. um, and then yeah, the other thing I was thinking I mean do you think being able to do all these things and not work as much and live more self-reliant do you think there is a amount of being like you're able to do that because you have some amount of privilege like you've got the education or you've maybe of course,
3: Absolutely. yeah yeah I don't have five children and I'm not a single mum and I'm not you know indigenous I'm not starting from a starting point way back behind where Mm. I as a you know white educated female with parents that were able to stay alive and love me Mm, Ah, it's it's incredible the amount of different points that we start from and Mm. I think when we're busy in our lovely lives and going, oh, it's so hard, I have to preserve all these delicious cherries I just picked. Um, I think it's often very, very important to get a grip on how bloody lucky you are to be positioned at this point in time on, you know, planet Earth. Yeah. Yeah. wake up and say, how come I live in paradise?
2: How Mm. come everybody doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. And also I think um, I know for I have great guilt um, that goes along with that privilege and I think um, starting up the five community gardens that we have in Dalesford is a way to um, lessen that guilt and to share yeah. some of that privilege of having free organic food. Um, yeah, I think that's, a, that's a part of it. Yeah. And just to offer, offer the, you know, yes, to have an exchange, but also to offer a lot of workshops for free that yeah. includes everybody who might not have the, you know, the, the five bucks or whatever it is to come along. Yeah. Way.
1: And then hopefully that, those opportunities are there for people who haven't got the same privilege to be able to then maybe start on that journey towards living more like that.
4: Unfortunately, I have to put a spanner in the works there because what I will say is that my experience is that everybody has the five bucks to come along. It's just what they choose. Because in this society here, you're not going to get those underprivileged people wanting to come to those things, A, and B, that those who do come along um, if they say they can't afford the five bucks, the odds are that they are choosing to spend those five bucks on some other luxury.
1: Yeah. Getting a coffee on the way maybe.
4: Yeah. It's just a choice of where you spend your money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But then there are yeah levels of privilege. And yeah, that's right. Oh, we're all yeah. super privileged. Yeah. Yeah. We are. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing your time with me. I would peel some pods with you if I could.
2: <laughs> I'll
1: come and do it in person sometimes. <laughs>
3: yeah, please do. You're very welcome. I'll be useful if I come over. Even if you don't bring your gambits, it's
1: fine. I'll bring them. Anyway, well, thanks for the chat. I just think it's important to talk about these things of where people are trying to make change, but they're also trying to balance everything else and, to just hear your story and how you guys do it. It's really great. So thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: You have been listening to the PIP Permaculture Podcast. For more permaculture inspiration, visit www.pipmagazine.com.au. Read the free articles on our blog, listen to our other podcasts, or subscribe for your issue of PIP Magazine delivered right to your door. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next time.